0: It's Tuesday, and you know what that means. It's a new episode with the Murder Bucket Podcast. Good evening, Murder Bucket family, and welcome back to another mini episode. It has been several weeks since we put out an episode, and the reason for that being is it was Memorial Day weekend, then we had family in town for a couple of weeks, and I did not want to interrupt any of those festivities or activities or family time and I'm assuming you're okay with that because you are back listening to the newest episode and because we were gone for a little while we missed the first episode of the month and because tonight's episode is a little bit longer we are going to forego True Crime News Corner and just do Mays and Junes in July which will actually be the second week of July because the first Tuesday falls on July 4th. And of course, I have to be outside eating a hamburger and a hot dog and blowing up some stuff, which I'm sure you do too. Let's go ahead and get started with tonight's episode as it will be slightly longer than a regular mini episode. Tonight, we are talking about the Highway of Tears. The Highway of Tears is a 450-mile stretch of Highway 16 between Prince George and Prince Rupert in British Columbia, Canada. This area has been the location of many missing and murdered Indigenous women starting in 1970. During a vigil held in Terrace, British Columbia in 1998, the phrase Highway of Tears was coined by Florence Naziel who saw many victims' families crying over their loved ones. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police launched a project called ePANA in 2005 to focus on the unsolved murders and disappearances of female children and young women along Highway 16. They estimated the number of victims to be fewer than 18, while other organizations estimated it to be more than 40. Many people over the years have given explanations for the crimes and the very limited progress in identifying suspects, including poverty, drug abuse, widespread domestic violence, disconnection with traditional culture, and disruption of family through the foster care system. I will specify which victims are a part of the EPANA cases and which are not. And now I will be talking about the known victims of Highway 16 and the information that we have about them. Tracy Clifton, missing between 1970 and 1979. The exact date of her disappearance is unknown. She was last seen leaving her home and walking down Highway 16 after an argument with her mother. 17-year-old Helen Claire Frost, missing 1970. Helen left her home in downtown Prince George on the evening of October 13, 1970 and was never seen again. She was living with her sister Sandy at the time in an apartment. Helen worked a number of jobs around this time, including a bus person at the Prince George HBC cafeteria and for a painting company painting gas stations between Prince George and Terrace. Sandy did not report her sister missing until October 15th, thinking at first that she might have stayed at a friend's house. Police took a missing person's report, but Sandy said she got the impression that nothing was going to be done. 18-year-old Jean Virginia Samper, missing, 1971. Jenny went missing on October 14, 1971. Her cousin Alvin was the last person to see her near a bridge on Highway 16. He left Jenny to bike home and get his jacket. As he pedaled back to meet her, he heard a pickup door slam. But when he reached the road, there was no pickup and his cousin was gone. There was some speculation that Jenny ran away or committed suicide after her boyfriend disappeared, but her family disputes these theories. Her boyfriend's body was found drowned in the Sakina River after she disappeared. 14 year old Monica Ignis. Pana Homicide 1974 Monica was believed to be going home from school when she was last seen at 11 pm on December 13, 1974. She was walking home alone. Her body was found in a gravel pit near a densely forested area on April 6 1975. Two witnesses reported seeing a car pulled over to the side of the road that night that she vanished. The pair saw a man and a passenger who looked like a girl inside the vehicle. Monica had been strangled. 21-year-old Corrine Thomas, Homicide 1976. Corrine was struck and killed by Richard Redicope's truck as she was hitchhiking to her home on July 3, 1976. She was pregnant and just days from giving birth. Both the mother and baby died. Corrine was indigenous and Richard was white. Numerous witnesses reported seeing Richard swerve to hit Corrine. The witnesses were under the age of 16 and were taken into police custody where, after three hours of unsupervised interrogations, they were coerced by police to lie and say that Corrine was playing chicken with Richard's truck. Coroner Eric Turner was satisfied that the death happened by accident But he later retracted his testimony after it was made public that he was let off with a lesser charge after the drunken hit-and-run death of an indigenous woman he was responsible for 10 years earlier. Eric Turner also presided over an inquest two years before in the death of Larry Thomas, who was killed by a vehicle operated by Richard's younger brother, on the exact same road where Corrine was killed. During a public formal inquiry, witnesses confirmed that Richard's truck actually swerved to hit Corinne. In June of 1977, Corrine's father proceeded with criminal negligence charges against Richard. The charges were dismissed due to insufficient evidence. 31-year-old Mary Jane Hill, homicide, 1978. Mary Jane Hill was found nude along Highway 16 on March 26, 1978, just 21 miles from Prince Rupert. Her cause of death was determined to be bronchitis and pneumonia as a result of manslaughter. 36-year-old Jean Mary Kovas, homicide 1981. Jean's nude body was found in a watery ditch 24 miles east of Prince George on October 11, 1981. Police said that she died from a 22 caliber bullet wound to her head. Autopsy reports show she had four gunshot wounds to the head. Jean was last seen alive at about 1.30 a.m. on October 10, 1981, at an intersection on Highway 16. Her body was found by a man gathering firewood near Purdon Lake. Serial killer Edward Dennis Isaac was charged with her murder in February of 1988. 13-year-old Roswitha Fushbichler, homicide, 1981. Roswitha was reported missing at 6.45 p.m. on November 14, 1981. She last spoke to a friend at 2 a.m. that morning. Roswitha's body was found in a wooded area north of Prince George at 9.25 a.m. on November 21, 1981. Edward Isaac had picked her up hitchhiking and claimed he killed her to see what it felt like. Her body had been mangled and mutilated, but she died from a single stab wound to the heart. Her body had been stripped naked, stabbed, and slashed before being dumped. Serial killer Edward Dennis Isaac was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced on May 11, 1987 to life in prison with no chance for parole for 15 years. 15-year-old Nina Marie Joseph, Homicide, 1982. Nina's nude body was found on August 16, 1982 in Freeman Park with a cord from her jacket around her neck. Her body had been stripped naked, stabbed, and slashed before being dumped. Serial killer Edward Dennis Isaac was convicted of manslaughter in connection to Nina's death in June of 1986. He was arrested on February 7, 1986 in Fort St. James. This may have remained unsolved if it wasn't for the testimony of Isaac's ex-girlfriend who helped him dispose of the body. 26-year-old Doreen Jack, missing, 1989. The Jack family left their home on Scrathcona Avenue in Prince George, headed to a logging cabin, where they had been offered jobs and daycare for the children. Ronald and Doreen Jack and their two children, Russell, 9, and Ryan, 4, were last heard from during the early hours of August 2, 1989, when Ronald called his mother in the Burns Lake area. 24-year-old Alberta Gail Williams, EPANA, Homicide, 1989. Alberta went missing in the early hours of August 26, 1989. She was last seen at Popeye's, a since-closed pub in downtown Prince Rupert. She was seen near closing time by her sister Claudia. Alberta said she was going to a house party. Claudia turned around and Alberta was gone. She was last seen wearing a blue sweatshirt and black stretch pants with slip-on shoes. Alberta's naked body was found on September 25, 1989, about 23 miles east of Prince Rupert. She had been strangled and sexually assaulted. According to the field notes of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, On September 12th, shortly before Alberta's body was found, bloody clothes resembling the ones that she had worn the night she went missing were found near the ferry terminal in Prince Rupert. Among the items, a blue sweater, slipper-type shoes, a jumpsuit, a pillowcase, two pillow covers, a sock, a shoelace, and a crumpled up piece of paper were found as well. A 2006 article indicated that the family wanted Alberta to remain off the RCMP Highway of Tears list, but Alberta was placed on the RCMP's ePana list, possibly against the family's wishes. 15-year-old Cecilia Ann Nickel, missing, 1989. Cecilia Nickel was last seen in October 1989, a year before her cousin Delphine Nickel went missing. Reports of her last known location vary. She was last reported in Smithers near Highway 16, but family reports that she had moved to Vancouver Island, and the RCMP reported her last in Vancouver, but cannot confirm with her family. Cecilia also had a cousin, Roberta Cecilia Nickel, who was murdered a few years after Delphine disappeared. 18-year-old Marie Blanchard Homicide 1989. Marie was last seen at 2 a.m. on November 22nd, 1989, leaving the Rock Pit Cabaret in Prince George. She was last seen entering a gray Toyota pickup truck with a white canopy outside the cabaret. The driver had black shoulder-length hair. The truck headed west on 2nd Avenue. Her remains were discovered by cross-country skiers at about 3 p.m. on December 11, 1989, on an unmarked road west of Foothills Boulevard. The remains had been disturbed by animals and were identified by dental and x-ray records. 30-year-old serial killer Brian Peter Arp was arrested on July 26, 1990, in relation to Marie's murder, and though evidence was obtained, they didn't conclusively prove his guilt and he was released. He provided DNA evidence, but DNA technology wasn't adequate to determine a match. He was re-arrested in the murder of Marie Blanchard after having been arrested for the murder of Teresa Umphrey over two years later. He was convicted of both murders using improved DNA technology. Kimberly Dumas, Helga Rochen, Sherry Ratchin, and Paula Rochen. Homicide 1990. On February 5, 1990, at approximately 5.15 a.m., Prince Rupert fire crews were called to a fire on 3rd Avenue in the Brooks Bank building. When they arrived, the building was engulfed in flames. Four people died in the blaze, including infant Kimberly, grandmother Helga, daughter Sherry, and daughter Pauline. At the time, Helga was hosting her daughters and granddaughter in her third-floor apartment for an overnight visit. Law enforcement determined that the blaze was set deliberately and that this was the second time in just a few months that a blaze was set deliberately at this building. Several years after their murder, the family received a letter from an anonymous source claiming to be responsible for the arson. The RCMP is not ruling out that this was a targeted attack. There was a business on the ground floor of the apartment, the linen closet, owned by Gina Guerin, which has never reopened. 15-year-old Delphine Nickel, E. Panna, missing, 1990. Delphine vanished on June 13, 1990. She was last seen hitchhiking along Highway 16 and King Street on her way home. At approximately 10 p.m., Delphine called her uncle to tell him that she was on her way home from Smithers. She was last seen by her two friends hitchhiking on the eastbound lane of Highway 16. Delphine went missing about a year after her cousin Cecilia went missing. Delphne also had a cousin Roberta Nickel who was murdered a few years after Delphney disappeared. 22-year-old Donna Mae Charlie. Homicide. 1990. In September 1990, Donna Charlie was reported missing. She came to Prince George from Fort Ware with her boyfriend Jerry. Both were using marijuana, magic mushrooms, and drinking. Both checked into the Sportsman's Motel near the time of Charlie's death in early September. The motel owner testified that on Saturday, the motel room was in shambles and there was blood all over the walls. On April 17, 1991, the police located her headless body buried in a shallow grave in a vacant lot near the sportsman's motel. Her boyfriend, Jerry, testified that the body was buried sometime after her death in the vacant lot. His cousin, Cheryl, and younger male cousin helped bury the body. Charlie's head was not found at the time, but Jerry testified that he had buried it on Cognot Hill, In May of 1991, 30-year-old Jerry was charged with murder. It was determined in trial that Jerry murdered Charlie in early September of 1990 behind the Sportsman's Motel. A jury convicted Jerry of second-degree murder, but the conviction was overturned by the Court of Appeals and a new trial was ordered. In May of 1995, Jerry pled guilty to manslaughter and served an additional year to 38 months already served. Jerry was arrested again in 2001 for another incident involving a woman in a hotel room and was sentenced as a dangerous offender for an indefinite period. Charlie's head was finally found in October of 2022 on Cognut Hill by a member of the public. Maureen Sullivan, homicide, 1992. Maureen was shot in January of 1992 by her husband Wayne Sullivan. Wayne was drunk and became enraged when Maureen refused to enter into a threesome with her and a friend. Wayne shot Maureen in the head with his handgun in their Prince George home and assaulted the friend soon after. Wayne was convicted of his wife's murder but later released on March 19, 1999 upon an appeal of not criminally responsible because of a mental disorder. This appeal was defended by expert witness testimony, which said that Wayne did not know what he was doing because he was drunk. Teresa Umphrey, Homicide, 1993. Teresa was last seen intoxicated outside of a convenience store in Prince George on February 14, 1993. Several men reported giving her a ride, but when she couldn't remember where she lived, they drove her back to the convenience store. Her nude, partially frozen body was found on a snowbank in southwest Prince George at about 2.30 p.m. on February 14, 1993. A forensic pathologist who performed the autopsy reported that her death was caused by manual strangulation and then strangulation with a ligature similar to a shoelace found at the scene. Serial killer Brian Peter Arp was arrested on October 4, 1993, and later convicted in the murder of Teresa Umphrey and Marie Blanchard. He applied for an appeal in 1998 and was subsequently denied. 16-year-old Ramona Lisa Wilson, EPANA, Homicide 1994, Ramona was hitchhiking from Smithers to attend a dance and stay with friends in Hazleton on June 1, 1994. Ramona's remains were found in April of 1995 north of Yelich Road near the Smithers Airport. Several items were in a small organized pile just a few feet away. Other objects nearby included a half-buried small section of rope three interlocking nylon ties, and a small pink brass knuckles-type water pistol. 15-year-old Roxanne Thiera, EPANA, Homicide, 1994. Roxanne went missing in Prince George during the long July weekend in 1994. She had worked as a sex worker and told a friend that she was going out with a customer. She walked around the corner of a building and was never heard from again. Her body was found on August 17, 1994. 15-year-old Alicia Germain, Epana, Homicide, 1994. Alicia was found murdered on December 9, 1994, behind Haldi Road Elementary School off of Highway 16 outside of Prince George. She had been stabbed to death. 25 year old Sheila Kinquan and 3 year old Christine Kinquan. Homicide, 1995. Sheila's body was discovered on April 5, 1995, along with the body of her daughter Christine. They had both been strangled. Sheila was a student at the College of New Caledonia. She was the estranged common law wife of John Joseph Seymour. The body of John Joseph Seymour, 26, was discovered the same day as the bodies of his common-law wife and daughter under the Alex Fraser Bridge in Delta. 19-year-old Lana Derrick, E. Panna, missing, 1995. Lana was last seen in October of 1995 at a service station in Thornhill. One rumor said she had gotten into the car with two unidentified men. Hazel White, Homicide 1996 On April 29, 1996, Hazel was killed while staying at Bonnie Mooney's home. Bonnie's ex-husband, Roland, broke into the house, killing Hazel and wounding Bonnie's 12-year-old daughter with a sawed-off shotgun. Several weeks before the attack, on March 11, Bonnie went to the Prince George RCMP to report that Roland chased her in his vehicle after an argument. The officer took a statement from Bonnie and advised her to get a lawyer. Her case was then closed and left uninvestigated. Roland attempted to set fire to Bonnie's home and killed himself with a shot to the head from his gun. Roland was on probation at the time after serving 21 days in jail for choking Bonnie and beating her with a cane. He had also been convicted of manslaughter in 1979 and of sexual assault in 1985. 47-year-old Wendy Raitt, missing 1997. Wendy disappeared while shopping in downtown Prince George. Her vehicle was discovered at what is now the Value Village after she was reported missing on August 18, 1997. The case remained idle for years until her husband, Dennis Raitt, was charged with second-degree murder in 2008. Dennis was enticed to confess to undercover RCMP officers during a Mr. Big Sting. During the operation, Dennis confessed to shooting his wife and dumping her naked body in a swamp. Dennis Rate was convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to life imprisonment for the murder of his wife, Wendy. 36-year-old Linda Geraldine LeFranc Homicide, 1998 Linda was stabbed by Christopher Maurice Alexander in her Terrace apartment on December 9, 1998. Alexander was 17 years old when he broke into Lefranc's home and stabbed her 83 times with a knife taken from her kitchen. Her seven-year-old daughter was in the house at the time of the attack. Linda and Christopher were known to each other and were neighbors at the time. Christopher was arrested in late 1999 following an RCMP Mr. Big operation, during which he admitted to killing. He received a life sentence in 2002 on a second-degree murder conviction. Christopher was granted parole in April of 2015. Four-year-old Amanda Jean Simpson. Homicide, 1999. On October 30th, 1999, Amanda was taken to Prince George Regional Hospital with massive head and abdominal injuries. She was brought to the hospital by her mother and stepfather, Terry and Ronald Polson. She died three days later in the Children's Hospital. During a coroner's inquest into the case, three different medical experts testified that Amanda's injuries were not consistent with Ron Polson's version of the events that Amanda fell. Dr. Margaret Colburn of the British Columbia Children's Hospital, who examined the girl before she died, told the inquest that Amanda's head injuries were similar to those that would be suffered in a fall from a three-story building. The inquest ruled Amanda's cause of death as a homicide. Between 1991 and 1999, the British Columbia Ministry of Social Services had received 22 child protection complaints about Amanda's family. Only after Amanda's death was custody of her three sisters handed over to the ministry. Despite the testimony of numerous witnesses, three of them expert witnesses, and a criminal inquiry ruling the death a homicide, charges were never laid in Amanda's death. Terry Walton did take the government to court for custody of her remaining children. 18-year-old Monica McKay, Homicide, 1999. Monica was last seen by her friends before midnight on December 31st, 1999. She was reported missing two days later by family when she didn't return home. Her body was found on January 8th, 2000 by a passerby. Her body had been dumped behind a dumpster. Even though this case meets the criteria for EPANA, RCMP reported that they had no reason to believe that this was connected to the Highway of Tears cases. 28-year-old Tracy Jack, Homicide, 2000. Tracy was shot by her estranged husband on July 5, 2000 at a Harley-Davidson dealership where she worked in Prince George. She was shot with a large-caliber handgun. Witnesses reported seeing her chased by her husband across the parking lot and into the dealership while he shot at her. One witness, who eventually wrestled the gun out of his hand, reported that he stepped on Tracy's back and then shot her in the head before shooting her boyfriend in the stomach. Gordon Darrell Wolfe was arrested soon after the incident and was sentenced for the maximum penalty of 25 years for first degree murder, 15 years for attempted murder, and one year for contempt of court. We are going to conclude here and pick back up with the remaining victims and more information about the Highway of Tears in two weeks. I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. Be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.